Well, good morning, and welcome to another episode of the Inglorious Bastards teaching, teaching, <laughs> teaching. <laughs> it's been a long day. Who is it featuring? <laughs> it's featuring Roger Martin. That'd be me. Pastor number two. Pastor number. And Bruce Martin, pastor number one, because no one wants to be number two. <laughs> Am I right, Rog? Uh, I'm happy to live in your shadow. Even on the screen, it's, it, it seems like I'm smaller than you are. Well, Roger, I, you. I heard a great quote on I'm Netflix up to you last week that said, if you keep living in someone else's shadow, the longer it takes for you to cast your own. <clears throat> I, that's profound. Some Write things that are down. better left unsaid. <laughs> well, there is some truth to it. This, like, how helpful is that, really? Well, for years, you know, I lived in the shadow of Billy Graham, and then I realized that's simply not attainable. The man was well nigh perfect. They're saying it's your fault if you're living in someone's shadow, that you're choosing it. I am. I'm saying we can choose to live the life that God's given to us and enjoy it and enjoy him versus comparing ourselves to anyone else's shadow. All right. Wasn't there a little story about that? A little children's story book, My Shadow? You remember that? Followed me wherever I went? Uh, maybe. Okay. Well, speaking of shadows, that was a great segue. I like it. It's going to have nothing to do with shadows. I'm fairly sure of that. Uh, Rogers golf trivia for Bruce. Yep. Um, so while you were, I think in Peru, um, Peru, we call it. Yes. Yes. Affectionately known as Peru. See our last episode for further explanation. <laughs> yeah. No, I think there was a, I had seen a um, golfer who hit a, who had a hole in one on a par four. Oh, wow. Um, it wasn't, I think. Which makes it an albatross. Yes. Do you, oh, did I just ruin the trivia question? No, 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 no. But I will ask, there's a couple other things. Okay. Um, the last albatross was in the Masters in the 50s or 60s by, wasn't Sam Snead, but it was a, wasn't Julio Sporos. It was, it was a guy from that era who hit like a five wood into, if I remember correctly, number 15 at the Masters for an albatross. Okay, and the albatross is the uh, three under par. Three under par. What is a four under par? Osprey, <laughs> a condor. I was close. <laughs> They're in the same genus. I was close. This is Bruce's favorite. <laughs> Whatever the answer was, I was close. I was close. It's a, it was a bird. <laughs> it was a bird. I mean, I mean, a, a condor. That's a little more of a more like a pterodactyl, really. And actually, so I read the longest known hole-in-one was a 517-yard uh, par five. Was it on an airport runway? <laughs> well, there might have been two. Th I don't know if, it, if that. I'm getting my stories mixed up maybe, but might have been both 
at high elevation, and the guy massively cut a dog leg. Right. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, is the only way that's going to... 517 yards. There was like 517 yards. But the... Now, I didn't... It, when I was looking up, this is the fun, interesting story was in a PGA Tour event, and maybe they weren't ca- counting the Masters, but they were saying what I had read was the only hole-in-one... But maybe maybe the guy had a two on a five. He had a, he had a two on a five. Okay, fifteen the, is a par five. The only hole in one on a par four in PGA history occurred in. Uh, well, do you know? The only hole in one on a par four in a in a PGA one. Yeah. Was it David Duvall? It's not David Duvall. I just remember he shot like a 58 or a 59. Yeah, I'm trying to I remember now round. the guy's name because I was... Anyway, but the funny story, I think it was the 2001 Phoenix Open. Okay. Oh, gosh. I Andrew McGee, I think is the name. Andrew McGee. Andrew McGee. He's ticked off about a couple of holes, you know, a hole previous that not had gone well. Right. So just kills a ball. Well, now... This is what dawned on me when I was reading the story is... Did they have a video of it? No. He said, you would have thought it was the 80s or something. He said, there's not a video. The story... So, well, they dawned on me. Well, if you are hitting off on a par four in a tour event, you're going to hit into a group. Right. And sometimes they'll wave you on. Like recently when I was watching golf... <laughs> When it's the short par fours, because they're adding more of them. Everyone loves those. The yeah. fans love that. And it's like, go for it. But uh, often they'll get to the side of the green and they'll wave the group on just to keep the speed of pace going. Well, 2001, he hits up into the group ahead. A guy is lining up an eight-foot putt. The ball ricochets off his putter and into the hole. And they weren't sure you were to be kept. So the only hole-in-one on a par four in a tour event hit into another group, hit off a guy's putter who's lining up his own putt and goes into the hole. Isn't that that awesome? That is awesome. So it was Gene Sarazen, I had it right, on number 15 in 1935, who had a... Two on a five. He had a two on a five. And there's been three other people that did it. Okay. Bruce Devlin on the eighth hole, also a par five. Jeff Maggard on the 13th hole, par five, 1994. Louis Oosthuizen on the second hole in 2012. Okay. I should remember that one. That's interesting. Yeah. Because he always plays well in the majors, typically. Interesting. But I remember Gene Sarazen was the first. I'm like, it's that, it's that older era, and it was like a, a wood club. So they got, yeah, it was like, like a genuine five, wood, right. five wood, <laughs> five wood. Anyway, All right. That, yeah, so that was- other than uh, albatrosses and condors, what's on your mind today? What's on my mind? Curious podcast listeners want to know. <laughs> right now, my mind is just a random place, I guess. Okay. Well, I, did I ever get to talk about the depression breakthrough last week? I can't even remember. 
I don't think so. There was a thing you wanted to talk yeah. about that we didn't get to. Got to talk about it. So because good. you had so many other things to talk about. No, that's it is so important. I, I did a blog post called Restart and got a lot of traction on a lot of comments because I put it on Facebook and it went out in my word for the week. But then the Speak Up Conference <laughs> put it out this week. They're like, hey, can we use this? We love this. this is oh, great. really? Yeah. So and I had a lot of feedback on it. So I just thought it might help some listeners. So. For you guys, you know, I had been struggling with depression since mid-January. A lot of, lot of reasons for that. Some circumstantial, some just coming out of a long winter. You know, that's always tough on a person who, who has depression in their makeup. Let me, can I, I'm going to do it a little time. So just for context, for me and others, when you trace back how long you've battled depression or when you knew or realized Gee, depression is, that's actually a thing, and I have it. Yeah, it was probably sometime in my 20s. I, I probably wow. felt it before that, didn't know what yeah. it was. You know, you're just like, why am I irritable? You know, right? or what's going on there? But probably in my 20s somewhere. Okay. Maybe, man, it's hard to say. But then there's some point but where... But I remember in the early 30s, it would manifest a lot when I first became a pastor. That, that actually might have been what launch the whole thing we don't know okay no and it's that's what surfaced that's what because that's what yeah. i really remember remembering it you okay. know you know i yes. go back i'm like man there was that time i was doing a lot of study on depression trying to understand it dad had had his own depression issues yeah. grandma martin had depression issues yeah yeah and so it, doing research on it and one person had said you know it's anger turned inward so i really started looking at that and you know what does that look like Versus, because I'm mean, always that person. That always, I'm upbeat, always upbeat. Felt like as a pastor, I've got to always be super upbeat. I don't have the right to take to bring negative energy into into a room yeah, or, or whatever, whatever else. Yeah. But leading up to all this, you know, we bought the farm, which sounds simple. I when I say we bought the farm, that just sounds simple. But we had to have 48 Baptist churches sign off on the closing documents and offer. So it, it went another four that's, months that's past <laughs> closing, which mean, meant we lost the locked-in rate that we had, which was very low. And in that four months, guess what happened? Fed raises the rates twice. Wow. So we ended up locking 2% higher than what... Really? So, yeah, there was that. Plus, we're moving out of a house from 16 years and trying to get that all cleaned and fixed <laughs> up. By the way, if you own a home... Don't wait till you move to fix everything. Go ahead and do a little <laughs> bit at a time right now. Okay, I'm just just a word for the wise. On nobody's going to listen to that. It's we we know we should be doing that. Well, but and we just literally, don't do it. while I was was it? Yeah, I was in the Sierras or something. You know, I Marlene. The, the, things happen when I'm gone. So the garage roof collapsed because the the water up above it and the air handler, the drain got clogged. The water eventually just dropped everything in the garage, which was hilarious. So I had to fix all that. <laughs> and then we get we get that house finished. We're sort of between the little house that we're in right now and the farmhouse. And we get renters in. And first week, the septic system fails. I've talked about that. But anyway, $22,000 later, we have a new septic system. Best septic system in any house in Huntsville. <laughs> but our yard looks like a nuclear waste site. I mean, it just is it's a disaster back there. By the way, Josh did a great job on it. I mean, when I went over there... Herman Trotzing yesterday. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. I, it was amazing how he was able to use this machine that we rented to level it out. Okay. And billions of trees down over there on our block. Huge trees. Okay. I'm talking like 40 foot trees with giant seven foot root systems just uprooted. 
on our on Plainview Drive. So I'm I'm surprised that no more than three limbs came down. One came down on the house. Of course it did. Um, <laughs> so so there's that. But anyway, by mid January, it's like my brain just turned in on itself, and it was like I couldn't get out of this place. So of, mid January last year. This year. This year. Okay. Yeah. It's just like I can't climb out. So I just sort of stop. I'm like. You do the things you you do the things you kind of have to do, but there's you can't do you're not doing anything extra. I wasn't writing the book, wasn't doing any blog posting. The only thing I was doing was like the pastors with you, right? Partly because Rogers holds me accountable to do that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm at Speak Up Conference a week and a half ago, and there's a young lady who's sharing. So when you go to the Speak Up Conference, you get critiques on your talks or on your writing. So you do two three minute talks, and, and you're you, you're a critiquer. And you're, I'm a yeah, so I'm a group staff. I'm a group yep. leader. I'm on yep. faculty. So there's, you have five or six peer critiques. And then I give the, you know, my, my critique uh, as a speaker. Well, anyway, this young lady's speaking and she's telling the story of the man at the pool of Bethesda who's laid on a mat for 38 years, who's waiting for, other, he just totally dependent on others for help or pity to, to, to support this miserable <laughs> life that he has. And he's over there. The, the, the idea was, the thought was in their day, Every now and then an angel would stir the waters. That would be an interesting talk. And whoever got into the pool first would get healed from whatever affliction they had. So Jesus comes to the pool. Now that means there's there's sick people all around. This is where they came. But Jesus picks out one. The guy who's been there 38 years. And he just looks at him and goes, do you want to get well? And the guy doesn't answer the question. I, I don't even think he thinks it's possible at that point. And I can tell you, I have fell with depression. Mm. I will never be well. I'll just sure. I'll never be well. Yep. I can't shake it. It you know, the brain fog, the, the and, sadness. And, the, and like him, I've done everything. I've tried everything. Tried everything. I've, I've, right. I've, I can't but I can't get in the pool because I'm on a mat. You know, every, everyone else gets into the pool before I do, and so I and I don't have anyone to help me. And so Jesus just looks at him and says, Get up, take up your mat, and walk. And the guy stands up for the first time in 38 years and picks up his mat and walks. Wouldn't it be great to have a video of that? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, just to... And as an aside, the Pharisees were horrified because he was carrying his mat on the Sabbath. Talk about an exercise in missing, <laughs> in missing the point. The point. <laughs> but I felt like God was speaking to me. I mean, I'm, I was very convicted. Bruce, do you want to get well? And inside I'm going, yeah, I want to get... Yes, I want to get well. And I felt like God said, all right, take up your mat and walk. And it's and it was like, take up the mat of depression. It's not that it's not real, but I want you to take it up. And I want you to walk with it. And I want you to keep doing the work that I've called you to do. So I did. You know, I came back from the conference and I started blogging again. I've got work. I've got two chapters I'm ready to, to oh, type in. All right, Doug's, <laughs> Doug's on the move, which means the camera's on the move. <laughs> And, and since then, Roger, depression has abated. As I keep walking, and, and I've been so productive, and I've got so much stuff done, and I'm like, I'm not overwhelmed by the task list, which is very long right now, because we have to move out of this house, and we have 28 inquiries on it, and I'm showing it about three times a day right now. And I'm showing <laughs> and, it to some yeah. people that aren't actually supposed to be here, because we have two spoofs on Facebook Marketplace. Two scams. Two scams, where they took my ad off Zillow, put it on Facebook Marketplace, and they're asking people for deposits and scheduling viewings at my house. So we're having random people show up out of the blue. Hey, we're here to look at the house. Yeah, we put a de deposit down. 
I'm like, I am so sorry. That doesn't actually exist. Anyway, because in my mind, I went, is it really that simple? And I realized God is healing me as I'm obedient, as I'm taking up the mat, as I'm walking with it. But as I shared that post, I've had so much feedback from so many people that said, this is exactly what I needed to hear. This is that we get stuck yeah, and we feel like we can't get unstuck and we don't feel like it's God's fault, but we don't feel like it's our fault either. It's like, I can't, whatever this thing is. We don't feel is, like there's a way forward. There's just no way. It almost feels like I can't move forward. I can't. And that's what the guy said. I can't get to the pool. I can't, I can't fix, this is unfixable. So he's, he's resigned himself to a life of laying on the mat. And so anyway, I just finished. You know, what, what's the mat you're lying on? The mat of financial problems, marriage struggles, business struggles, whatever it is, Jesus might be whispering to you or even speaking loudly to you because he says it emphatically, there's a little exclamation point at the end of it. Get up, take up your mat and walk. And it's been interesting to see as I'm taking up the mat and I'm walking with it, depression is evading and I'm, and I'm walking in healing as I go. And I'm like, that's just staggering. Was that available to me in February? Or was July the time that God knew this is when I'm going to speak the word to Bruce? Because that's when the word, I mean, I told Marlena, I said, Marlena, you know those moments when God speak, is speaking to you. Mm -hmm. Can't explain it, but you know it. There's this heart thing. You're like, yeah. God is speaking to me through this young lady in her three-minute talk. My critique of her talk, by the way, was stop being so dang convicting. Because <laughs> it was really Way, good. way, way, way. You're way in, too in touch with the spirit. <laughs> right. There Can't have that. Need to be more of you in this than God. <laughs> Don't be. But that might, I just thought that might help some of our listeners. If they're stuck somewhere, maybe God is saying, hey, what you're experiencing is real. The financial problems, the marriage problems, the business problems, the whatever it is, the depression. But I want you to walk. I want you to take that. I want you to carry that. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I'm going to carry it with you. That's, that's the yes, thing that I realize as I'm good, walking. Yeah. God's carrying this with me. And, and I wonder if... And this... it makes me very afraid to stop again. <laughs> well, what if this is part of, even when the Apostle Paul talks about, I'm not going to give you a healing or a remover, I'm going to give you sufficient grace. Mm -hmm. In other words, right now that you don't feel like you can move forward, whether I heal it or not, you can move forward. Yeah. I, I, can I can give you the grace to keep going, to step out to... So there are some cases. Yeah. We know it's striking to me, even you look at even that story, all these people that weren't healed. I think it's symbolic of the larger. Well, there's only a handful. You look in history. Yes. God's a healer. But they're only that's a very tiny percentage. You look at all the illnesses and where it's a very tiny percentage that God heals. But you know what gets where there's 100 percent sufficient grace, sufficient grace. And that's the passage that I've used in my own life. For years when i've talked about depression it's a thorn in the flesh yes i pleaded with god to take it away but my grace and it's interesting that 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 god's that, that paul recognized this to make to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing revelations about the gospel that god right. had given paul so i thought interesting paul realized he was open to celebrityism conceit arrogance i'm smarter than you i've seen things you've never seen I've heard God in ways you've never oh, heard. Right, right, yeah. And yet, to keep him humble, there was given him this thorn in the flesh. And I think it's brilliant that God doesn't reveal what the thorn yes. in the flesh is, because then it applies to every single person. My grace is sufficient. My gift is sufficient. It's why I love what you did with the mat. The mat can be 
anything, anything where you can say, I'm stuck. Where here. You can ask God, what, what about our listener? Ask God, what's my map? Yeah. What's that thing? I think I can't move forward. Yep. Um, that's got me because that map is local. It's in this place. This is keeping me in this spot. Right. It, I, it, it redefines stuff. Right. I'm stuck with my map right here. And where God says, nope, you can move, you can move forward. And I'm going to give you the grace to do that. But you're going to have to depend on me daily. So now as a part of my daily bread prayer, you know, because Jesus says, pray each day, give us this day our daily bread. I pray for emotional and mental strength. Yeah. Power of the spirit. Because that's daily bread. And I know that what you're not saying, you're early saying, is because I decided to move forward, God has permanently removed my depression. I, I'm now it's totally. No. Um, no, it's like I said. It's like I said. I'm afraid to stop moving now. Like, <laughs> what if I settle in on the mat again? <laughs> Which is easy to do. Well, yeah. And I think that's the ongoing journey of yeah, trusting sufficient grace every day. Um, yeah, one lady commented this morning. She said, uh, "She said I heard your talk. She said it was very lively and very inspiring and very moving. She goes, I would have never guessed that you were in the, the depressed state that you were in. And I want to come back to her. And I said, I said, yeah, I, I experienced in that moment the grace of God, the gift of God, the power of God's spirit in my weakness. Because that, that's how Paul wraps up that whole thing. So in my weakness, God is strong. I have a Therefore, I will glory in my weakness. Uh, I'll I'll be happy about it. I'll make it known this idea of glory, so that God's power might be manifest in my life. Yeah, and I'm I, that's where I am. I'm like, all right, if that's what it. In other words, I you don't know this. I'm prone to conceit. <laughs> Oh my yeah. gosh! What the? Yeah, I know I that's can't a revelation. What's what? I know that's a revelation, but, and I think we all are. What human isn't right? That that's the yeah. right. There's there's spaces where we know more, we're very gifted or very skilled, and people applaud us, and it's really easy to think we're all that in a bag of potato chips. Yeah. And God says, "I want to save you from that," because that's not good for anybody. Because the chips are stale. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good for you. It's not. Um, it made me think while you're talking, I, I wonder how many of David's Psalms were written in the throes of depression. I, I would think several. When you look at the wording, so, I mean, he's hopeless. He's in despair. He's, he, he is, my the heart is pit. disquieted within me. I, uh, I, I, that I don't, uh, my, I don't know how to move forward. My I don't, God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Right. I think Psalm 34. Um, so this even comes back to this whole thing that we've talked about, I think, so many times where God is always only ever using broken, flawed. Nothing should surprise. If the strength of God is made perfect in weakness, it should not surprise us that God powerfully speaks through a depressed person, that God powerfully speaks through someone struggling with pornography, that God powerfully speaks through somebody who's wondering if God's even real or there. Right. Well, 
this is these are the only people that God works through. Yeah. So it, there's no math that you can mention, or there's no struggle you have where it's oh wait, God said, Oh my goodness, <laughs> I have worked with a lot of cases, but yours I can't I can't work with that struggle, or I can't work with that weakness, or I can't work with that trouble. It's God's always at work through broken, flawed, weak, struggling people. I see you looking up something. Yeah, I was looking at this uh, because I remember in a um, um, a talk that I did, I had referenced a talk that I did on grief. I had referenced one of the most quoted psalms in all of the New Testament, which was a psalm about lament and suffering and all yeah. that. I'm like, isn't that interesting? Of all the psalms, you know, Psalm 23 is a dandy. Why don't we quote that one a lot? You know, this thought hit me two days ago is a lot of the Psalms would make great country songs. Oh, yeah, they would. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here, and I was, I was talking to someone yesterday. We're, um, we're working on Blue Christmas in December. Blue Christmas is the thing we do every year that gives people space to be sad, melancholy, to lament during the holidays. During the holidays, yes. Because the holidays often for many people are a reminder of what they've lost. Uh, a child that's not there, a parent that's not there, a loved one that's not there. Um, In the same way that Mother's Day yes. is this terribly mixed yep. holiday but for I, people. But, but what she was talking to me about, she said, Bruce, I'm surprised at how many people I talk to that, that believe it is wrong to grieve. That like grieving is somehow not pleasing to God and we shouldn't do that. So we should paste on the happy face. And <clears throat> they in other words, they believe that hope is joy right now but the reality is grief is hope delayed and we and we need to grieve it's it's i, I say all the time you know in counseling i'm not trying to help people get over anything because people come in i want to get over something i'm like I'm not, i don't want you to get over anything i want you to get through something which means you're going to have to grieve which you're, the, the mat's still there yeah you're, you're still have, carrying the yeah, mat you've got to grieve the loss you've got to grieve the pain you've got to acknowledge it recognize it so you don't get stuck but as you as you grieve through it you do get to the other side and on the other side, there's hope again. Yeah. And and again, it's even when you think of the lost loved one, there's the hope of I will see that that person again. Or it, you know, like we talked about last week, even Job and his misery. You know, I know that my redeemer lives and I will stand with him on that day. So right. but it's interesting, the the grief talk. So she wants me to do the grief talk at Blue Christmas. Because she had heard it, I did this at Co Church last year, and she said, okay. I give this to everybody I know. Mm -hmm. Same talk that I did for the Gems conference last week. It was a virtual conference, and they moved it from a workshop to a keynote. They're like, this is so good, so helpful. When I say good, helpful, we're going to make this a, they're going to make this a keynote talk. And I was like, isn't that interesting? Of course, and a lot of the talks that I do are about depression, suffering, loss, grief, <laughs> sorrow, pain. <laughs> but I realized that, and this is where I'm, I'm really embracing my calling. I'm a voice of hope. Yep. I'm the person in that sense, crying out in the wilderness of people's lives, the hard places in people's lives and saying there is hope. And your life exemplifies that. In other words, even what, why you could stand on a stage, you're not putting anything on. Nope. You're not, you're walking in that reality. You're walking in. I'm standing up to speak today. I'm walking out of the sufficient grace. God has not taken away the depression. Nope. God has not fixed all my bills. He's certainly not fixed everything wrong at the farm or our house or the car that 
whose engine blew up while you're at the conference. No, well, that was while I was in Peru. <laughs> oh, Peru, yes. <laughs> we lost a washer, a water heater, and a car. <laughs> Marlena says, you can never go out of the country again. <laughs> well, she you know, I can't wait to see what goes out when I go to the Holy Land. <laughs> <laughs> it's just God illustrating through your life the, the reality is that's just what brings to life the fact that it's true, yeah. that it's that it's real, that that Bruce isn't sharing a false hope. The, the, the very joy or radiance with which you are able or some kind of confidence to speak is highlighted by the fact that, gee, I can see all kinds of things around you, your life that aren't. It's like Job could speak so powerfully about, I know my Redeemer lives. Well, I'm going to listen to that. If I look at Job, who has lost everything, well, now when he says, I know my Redeemer lives, that has a different weight. So I think your words have a particular weight, and it's comically we part of why God sovereignly has taken you through so much crap is to give you a message that is credible a message of joy and hope that's credible. I yeah. love it. There, there's a great, I hate, I no, hate no, the there's losses. A, there's, a great, there's a great quote they use that speak of a lot. Your mess becomes your message. Yes. In other words, it really is that 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 the hard That's spaces, why they keep asking you to come back and speak. <laughs> year after year. By the way, I, I haven't said I'm speaking at Grace Adventures in Michigan. Men, if you're listening, this is wide open to all men. It's in the northern part of Michigan, central northern part of Michigan. But I decided I'm going to do the perfect storm there. Okay. The four-part series, The Perfect Storm, yeah. partly because I like the story, and I think it's very engaging for guys, you know, the, the the whole story of going out to sea and a huge wave, you know, capsizes your boat. But that whole talk, that whole series of talks is about where is God when, you're, when your boat gets capsized? The reality is he's right there with you, and he wants you to persevere through this because there's things you can only learn through suffering. 